Go ahead and say thank you to Lucas. Appreciate you doing that, Lucas. If you were with us last week, you might have remembered his sister, Leilani, played. So I can't wait to see what's happening next week. <laughs> so glad that you are with us today. Hopefully, uh, as I mentioned, you have your bulletin and want to direct your attention uh, to pull out the notes. If you'd like to take notes with today's message, you might find it even more interesting than I can make it myself without them. I want to begin with a verse in scripture that I just love. It's from John 10.10. And Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I love that truth, especially the second part. You know, if you think about it and you look at this, the Bible makes it very clear what the mission of Satan is and what the mission of Jesus is. Satan's mission is to destroy your life in any way, shape he can. But Jesus' mission is to save your life, to save you and give you not only that, but a full and abundant life that can only be found in a relationship with him. You know, it's been said that every man dies, but not every man lives. I don't know about you, but I want to live. I know I'm going to die. But I want to live, and I want us to live, and Jesus gives the best life that you can possibly ever hope to live. It comes from him. And here at Grace Hills Church, we are absolutely convinced that part of our journey, part of allowing us to have this most amazing life, the best life that you can have, is found and is experienced in the area of life groups. Uh, it's a key part to experiencing that life that we speak of in life groups. Life groups are central to everything that we do here. They are a key to everything we do here. Uh, life groups are beginning next Sunday, and we kick off next week and go through the week uh, with them. As I mentioned in your bulletin, there's a list of those groups that you can join. And what we're doing is we took last Sunday to look at life groups, and we're taking this Sunday to look at life groups as well. And if you were with us last Sunday, you might have remembered that we we asked and answered some why questions, some why questions. And so what I want to do before we get going too far into our message is just to remind ourselves what those why questions were. Why should we do that? Well, I'll give you a, a few reasons. One, biblically, and you look through the letters in Paul and even in Peter, he says, I remind you again. He, he says that again and again to tell us, to remind us of what we maybe have heard before. And the other reason is a real simple reason. It's a scientific reason. Uh, the United States Air Force did research, and they determined that 95% of you forget what is said within three days. So it's been more than three days, so you don't remember anything that I said last week, uh, I don't think. Well, maybe a few of you do. Let's see if you do. Uh, here, here's what they are. Why do we offer life groups at Grace Hills? We asked this question last week. And the answer we gave, we gave two rationale. The first one was this. When faced with a need to know or need to grow situation, you need the Bible to guide you. You need the Bible to guide you. And do you remember what I brought out as an example, as a metaphor to help us understand this idea of God's word? Anybody remember? Velcro. And you know what? It made its way back to church today as well. I didn't want to be left alone. So Velcro. There's two parts to Velcro, as you know. And one part of the Velcro is what we might call the hook side. And I like that because it reminds me uh, that we are to be hooked in to God's word. 
We're to be hooked into God's word. We talked about that last week. The second rationale, we said, why do we have life groups at Grace Hills Church? We said the second reason was, or the second rationale was, when you come to a need-to-know or need-to-grow situation, you need others to support you. You need others to support you. You need other Christians to support you. And as you well know, if you've had Velcro in your purse, your wallet, or whatnot, you know that there's another side to the Velcro. This side of the Velcro would be considered the loop side. The loop side. And if you think about it, we're all looped together in Christ as one church, as one body looped together through Jesus. And when we said that when you put them together, God's word and other Christians, you are bound and you are stronger as an individual. And we are stronger as a church. And so that's what we talked about last week. And this idea of God's word and other Christians within life groups Velcro us together as a church. Velcro you into the body of Christ. The other question we asked was this why question. Why is life better together? Why is life better together? And we gave some reasons for that. And these were based out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 to 12. We said this. One of the reasons we said was that life groups sharpen one another. They produce spiritual fruit. Remember that Solomon said that two are better than one. And we learned that there are 59 one another's. In other words, to help us sharpen one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to serve one another. 59 of those. We also talked about how a knife uh, is actually a dull knife is rather dangerous compared to a sharp knife. And what we said was is that when you are alone and apart and being and living the Christian life on your own apart from the church, you're like that dull knife. You're in a dangerous position. But if you come together and you allow other believers to sharpen you, you're actually safer like a knife would be, like you would be in living the Christian life victoriously. The second reason we gave a why life is better together is we said life groups encourage one another. Life groups encourage one another. They promote spiritual restoration. You fall down, uh, you stumble in your spiritual life and your journey. It's an opportunity to be restored, have others support you and encourage you. Solomon put it this way, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. And life groups are designed, they're, 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 they have this mission to help to encourage you, to provide accountability and to build you up. The third reason we said of why we have uh, life being better together is that life groups stimulate one another. They prompt spiritual zeal. They stimulate one another. They prompt spiritual zeal. I noted that we live in a cold world. A cold-blooded, if you will, world that's lonely, that's hostile at times, uh, that's self-centered. And Solomon gave this idea of that a person who is alone can be cold, but if they are brought together with another person, they can be stimulated to be warmer. Hence the idea of how we can stimulate one another. We can prompt spiritual zeal. Not only is that a physical fact, but it's also a spiritual truth. And then the fourth reason we said of why is life better together, we said life groups defend one another. Life groups provide spiritual protection. Solomon said that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Two can resist, might be the word you had in your translation. And I also shared with you uh, as an analogy to that, as a defense, as a protection, 
that after my daughter Kendall was born, I was speaking one night in our youth group, and I mentioned that, hey, I, I realize I probably need to get life insurance, and uh, not knowing that a student in the youth group, uh, his dad was a life insurance salesperson, and you can guess who I got the call from the next day, and since that day, I have had life insurance. Why do I have that? It works as a defense against poverty. It's a protection upon my family financially if something was to happen to me. In the same way, life groups defend one or they provide spiritual protection. And the last reason we said why life is better together in life groups, we said life groups sustain one another. They sustain one another. They prohibit spiritual weakness. They prohibit or prevent spiritual weakness. And if you remember, at the end of verse uh, 12 in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon says and noted that if two are better than one, then three is even better. Three is even better. And I share with you that uh, when Emerson was born, or when he was uh, in the oven, as we say, uh, that we, they detected through uh, the ultrasound that he had a two-vessel umbilical cord. And you're supposed to have three vessels. And he had two. What did that cause us to do? It caused us to monitor him a lot more, and it caused us to pray a lot more, uh, hopefully to counter the temptation to worry. Why was that a big deal? Because having only two vessels as opposed to three meant that there was a physical risk there, that his life could not be sustained as well as it could be if it had the three vessels. Hence we prayed, and hence we continue, and God allowed him to come through healthy uh, boy when he is, was born. And so that umbilical cord, that three strands, uh, it brings and promotes physical, physical uh, uh, strength, and it prohibits physical weakness. And what we said was similarly, life groups help prevent spiritual weakness. They sustain us and help us to be stronger in living the Christian life victoriously. Now, I shared all that, and all of you, I'm sure there's a few that are going, yeah, I remember all that. Well, in case for the others of us, including me that didn't, there you go, uh, just as a reminder. So with those why questions answered, now we move forward this week, and we have what I call a what question. And the question is this. Here's the what question I want to ask and answer today. What blessings can you have from being in a life group? What blessings can you have if you were to be in a life group? And many of you could come up here and share, well, I can tell you what my blessings have been. But we're going to look today at a passage of Scripture to help us see what those blessings look like and what they can be. In fact, I want to think of it like this. I brought a box of blessings. Did you know that you can go get these? You can. I, I know you're looking at me kind of like, are you sure? Okay. Well, I have what's here, a box of blessings, and there are many. There's a lot in here. And what I want us to do today is we're going to look in Scripture, is we're going to look at the blessings that can be found if we open up the box and allow God to bless us through life groups, that there's a lot of blessings that can come if we'll just simply open ourselves up to his word and to other believers, we can experience an amazing amount of blessings as we go through our Christian life. But the one key I want you to keep in mind with this blessing, these blessings that come forth is this. The key to this question is remembering the source of each blessing. And that's Jesus. No blessing comes into your life apart from what God brings to your life. 
Remember I said in John 1.17 when I prayed here for the offering? That every gift, good and perfect gift, is from him. He's the one who gives all the blessings. He's the source. And in John 10.10, the last part of it, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, that you have it to the full. He's the source for the life. He's the source for allowing me to have a full and abundant life. So Jesus gives the best life you could possibly live, and Jesus gives the greatest blessings you could possibly have. To help us remember this and help us focus in on this through, through this coming year, 2016-17, as we go into another a season of life groups, is we've come up with a theme. And the theme is this. The theme is all about the one. All about the one. Uh, a couple months ago, I went to Pastor Mike and I said, when you do life groups, do you ever do a theme or a central focus for the year? He says, not necessarily. And I said, well, I, I was just wondering. He's like, well, that's a great idea. Why don't you come up with one? Okay. So I went and prayed and, and processed this through. And I came back to him and I said, how about this? How about all about the one? And he says, explain it to me. I said, well, think about it. Everything that we have, it's all about the one. It's all about Jesus, the source of all the blessings we're going to look at today. It's all about the one. He's the one that gets the glory. He's the one we've come in here to worship. He's the one that has the word before us that's inspired for us and to be able to live the Christian life as it's guided by his word. So it's all about the one. And we're going to have some fun with this as it goes through this year about the meanings and the extra meanings and the journey we can take with about the one. Like, what's the one life group you're in? What's the one person you're trying to reach for Jesus? What's the one way you could serve Jesus at Grace Hills Church? It's all about the one. So we're going to use it as our thing as we go through the year. And the next time you see Kim Jones, say, thank you, Kim. I appreciate the logo, the graphic that you made for us to enjoy uh, this year. And as you can see, the one has a heart in it. It's our love th from Jesus through the work of the cross. And speaking about, about the one, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and discover these blessings because when the church is all about the one, that's when these blessings start to unfold in the life of the church. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn it to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 37 to 47 in the time I have with you this morning. We're going to look at when the church is all about the one. In verse 37, let's just begin right there. And there's five words I want to read to you, and then we're going to pause for a moment. Here are the five words. Now, when they heard this, put the car in park. Let's hold on and understand what they is and what this is. Who is they? Well, if you were to go back to chapter, uh, chapter 2, still in the same chapter, and go up to verse 14, you would see and you would read that the they is the men of Judea and all who lived in Jerusalem. So it's men, it's women, it's children, it's the whole community, the whole city of Jerusalem. That's who he's referring to as the they. And then what is it that this that they heard? Well, if you were to go through Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 36, you hear and you see that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the message of the gospel. 
And in this chapter, what we have, we've had Jesus ascended into heaven. We've had the promised Holy Spirit show up. And Peter is preached a sermon. To who? Well, he's, he's preached it to the men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. What is it he preached? The gospel. So with that in mind, here we go. Verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the goodness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, like us, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized in that day, and they were added about 3,000 souls. When I look at that at the very end, and it says about 3,000 souls were added. You know, the scripture Bible tells us that when one comes to know Jesus as their Savior, there is rejoicing in heaven by the what? The angels. Can you imagine what 3,000 people coming to receive Jesus must have sounded like in heaven on that day? I don't know about you, but I can get excited about stuff in case you couldn't tell. And I'm just imagining that 3,000 that 3, people come to Jesus and all the angels are seeing all that. And it's not just one. Guys, it's 3,000. And the glory and the rejoicing that must have been in heaven on that day. Don't miss that and the glory that God has and received out of this day. It's just amazing for me to think about it, and I get excited. And I want to jump up and down, but I won't do that to embarrass myself any further today. So with that, the crowd is here. There's 3,000 that accepted the message. Um, The message is in John 10.10. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, that you would have abundant life. And this church is about to take off on a journey to see and experience this abundant life that Jesus spoke of. But as I thought about that, I thought, how do we know that it was authentic? How do we know that this really took place? Because people can come and say a prayer, say, oh, I want Jesus. The crowd could be gathering, oh, I want want that. Sounds good. Everybody else is doing this. I guess I'll do it too. How do we know it was authentic, that it was a real conversion, that God is really working in their lives in this church? I'm glad you asked such an important question. The answers are found in verses 42 to 47. Let's look at Acts 2, 42. They, these are the believers that that we spoke of, we know where they're from, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is how we know 
that this wasn't just some prayer that was just said in a crowd because it seemed like it was the right thing to do, which it was. But we can see by the evidence, by what Luke records in this addition to his gospel, is we see what's going on with this church. And we see that there's activity. We see that they're not just sitting still. We see that they are doing spiritual disciplines. They are engaging in living the Christian life victoriously. You see, when the church, that's Christians, those are believers, when the church is all about the one, as this church was, then the church devotes itself to learning God's word. We saw that in verse 42. The church becomes part of a close gathering when it's all about the one. The church reaches out into the community. It says at the end that more were saved and more came to know the Lord. When the church is all about the one, the church is trained to become reproducers. They are learning and studying God's word. They're discovering that they have spiritual gifts. They're looking for opportunities to serve others, as it said, and it showed in these verses, and they did that. When the church is all about the one, new believers are added because God's able to bless and work. And he says, that's a type of place I want to see more come into because they're studying my word. They're growing in me. They're getting closer together. As I thought about this, I thought of it this way. You, you might have done this, or if you taught Sunday school and maybe uh, went to Sunday school as a child, you might have remembered this little, uh, uh, well, if you would, would you take your hands, and if you didn't know what to do with them yet today, I'm giving you something to do with your hands. Would you take them and put them together uh, like this? Would you put them together? And uh, you might get an idea of where I'm going with this, and so I'd like you to, to, to join me in what I say when you figured out what it is, what I'm about to say. And some of you are going, oh, I'm so excited. I know what this is. All right, here it is. This is the church. This is the people. Open the doors and see all the people. Friends, I want to submit to you that the people in Acts 2 were all about the one. They were all about the one. And that's why we get to be blessed by reading their story of their church and what God was doing in them and through them. They would tell you that it's all about the one. And thanks to this church and this church being all about the one in Acts 2, they modeled for us what it could be like in a life group, which is where I want to go with the remainder of our time and answer this important question. Thanks to the one, because he's the source of all of our blessings, what blessings can you have from being in a life group? What blessings can you have from being in a life group? In other words, think of it like this. What is inside here that I could have to enjoy? What blessings does God have that if I was to open up his word, if I was to open up my life to other believers, if I was to commit myself to joining and being in a life group, what are the blessings that God wants to give to me. What are those? Well, we're going to look at those this morning. And what I've done is I've done something I normally don't know, and I don't think I'm very good at it, and you, I'll let you be the judge of that and confirm that probably in a moment. But I put together an, an acronym under life group. So on the back of your, of your note sheet, you're going to have this. So let's go through these. These are the blessings when it's all about the one that you can have from being in a life group. The L stands for learn. You learn God's word together, and you learn from one another. In verse 42, it says that they, that's the church, this is the believers, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
They were learning God's word. This was the norm for them. You know what I'm thankful for? It's the norm here. I've been able to see how you get into the word. That's normal. That's a good normal to have. It's normal and it's good. At Grace Hills Church, we have sermon-braced life groups. You take God's word, we teach on Sunday, you take it, you have some homework questions, and you go through those. You study some other parallel passages, you answer some questions. It's not regurgitating what was already taught to you. It's taking and looking elsewhere in Scripture and being blessed and allowing God to mold you and shape you to be the person that he desires you to be, that abundant life that Jesus spoke of that he wants to give you. And in learning from others, one of the first study questions you'll find in a, in a life group that Pastor Michael put there is this question. Was there anything that caught your attention or challenged you? Was there anything that caught your attention or challenged you? You know what happens? You know what the, one of the answers is that you'll find in a life group? The answer, me too. Hey, me too. I was challenged by that. That caught my attention. And then you begin to learn from one another and you learn God's word together. You go, man, this is a great blessing to have. Here's the second blessing from being in a life group with the word life. I, you insulate yourself from self-sufficiency. You insulate yourself from self-sufficiency. In verse 44 of Acts 2, it says, all those who had believed were together. It does not say all those who were believed were apart from one another alone, isolated. No, they were together. It says that the Lord added to their number day by day. It's also because they were meeting day by day through the week. We meet week by week, right? Sundays and then sometime between Monday and Thursday, we join in in a life group. The hard truth is this. Satan, the thief in John 10.10, is a master of getting you isolated and alone as a Christian. And when you isolate yourself from others, that's when you're most vulnerable to sin. That's when you're most vulnerable to being in a world that is not a pleasant world to be in. And God wants us to be together. That's the way to help insulate yourself from self-sufficiency of saying, I got this all together, I don't need anybody else's help. To insulate yourself from isolation is to be in a life group. Remember what Solomon said, two is better than one. We've got the L, we've got the I. How about the F? I love this one. Food, fun, and fellowship. Yes, you heard that right. You saw that right. You're writing that correctly. Food, felt fun, and fellowship. Verse 46, it says that they were taking their meals together with gladness. Again, this was the norm. This was something that they did. This wasn't the exception. In one passage in part of those verses, it says as they broke bread. There's one part of that in Acts 2 that's referring to taking communion. But this part here is that they uh, were taking their meals together with gladness. Communion could have been part of that as the early church had it. We look in 1 Corinthians, we see instruction that Paul gave about that. So here is this church gathered together. I want to submit to you that having food with others is biblical. It is. It's right here in the text. And if you wonder, why do we eat? Oh, it's just because I'm hungry. No, because it's biblical. It's what the church does. And I've noticed that some of us are really good at that. And praise God. And you know what else I've found? Is that when I eat with others, it's usually enjoyable. It's usually fun. And there's a neat fellowship that goes on of sharing and lifting one another up and encouraging one another. 
And I think about this. Did the first century church like to eat? Yes. Did they like to have fun? Yes. Did they enjoy fellowship? Yes. I think sometimes it's like we're the ones who discovered that food and fun and fellowship is the thing. Now, they modeled it for us right here. We're just catching on. We're just realizing and we're enjoying that continued legacy found in the church. What's interesting is that time that you have of eating food at your life group, most of them have food ahead of time. The one that I like, you know, have that food, right? And we enjoy that. People bring food and we enjoy that. And then there's conversations. And you know what? Sometimes that time right there of having food and the fun with that and sharing stories and laughing about different things, it is actually sometimes, it, 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 it actually what it does is it sets the tone for how the rest of the night is going to go. Because when you're satisfied here and you've been satisfied through the encouragement and laughter, it just makes it easier to get into God's word and enjoy learning from one another and enjoying that time that's there. Food, fun, and fellowship. Friends, it's biblical. It says it right here. The last for in life is E. Ensure accountability. This is a blessing that comes that you can have from being in a life group. Ensure accountability with other believers. It says in verse 42, and to the fellowship. In other words, this was this belief, these were the believers. And in verse 46, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind. They were together with one mind. They were accountable to one another because it was all about the one. The one mind was about the one. We want to be about Jesus, not about me. It's not that I'm not important and I don't have needs. It's that ultimately I am about him. And I trust him to be needs, either directly or indirectly through you. It ensures accountability with other believers. You know, when you come here on Sundays, that's great. But if you miss a Sunday or two, Pastor Mike might notice that. And I might notice it if somebody tells me. Because <laughs> I'm not as clued in as he is. But if you come here on a Sunday, but you miss your life group, I can promise you that you will, they will definitely, your life group members will definitely notice that you weren't there. Because that's a blessing from being in a life group. It ensures accountability with other believers. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? What's, what could be said? What could be done? Just to understand your life. Friends, this is by design. Life groups ensure accountability within a small group of other believers. It makes for a healthy you. Well, that's life. How about groups? The G stands for grow to be more like Christ. Grow to be more like Christ. In verse 47, it says that they were praising God. Praising God. I don't know about you, but if I think back, and I was to pull the car over and think about my spiritual journey and look back on where I've driven and where I've come from, I would probably look and go, you know what? I've probably spent more time now than for I've gone in my Christian life praising God for more of the blessings he's given me. Then when I first got saved, when I first got saved, I just thought, hey, I get to go to heaven. Praise God for that. Praise God I got this little certificate that says I was baptized. Praise God for that. But then when you go through life and you've experienced some of the trials and some of the temptations and some of the journeys that you've been through, and you go, wow, praise God for this. You grow in that way to be more like Christ. Because after all, when you look at Jesus, yes, his mission was to go to the cross. But ultimately, his mission was to glorify his father, to give praise to his father. 
We get to be the blessed ones out of his desire to praise his Father and glorify his Father. So there's growth with this. And it says that they were praising God not just on Sundays, but they were praising him through the week. And we get to do that through, too, through life groups. You know, it's interesting to think about that. I, I was at um, the first week I was here, back in June, uh, there was two weeks left of life groups. And one of the desires I had was to try and go to every single life group I could. So those nine life groups that are listed in your bulletin, I went to seven of them that first week I was here. And one of the remembrances I have from that was the life group on Thursday night with Mark Johnson. Uh, went to his life group at his home, hanging out there, and I noticed that there was this jar on the table. And, and I said, what's the, what's the jar? Because it had some like, little pieces of paper and it looks like something that I'd written something on there. And it's like, oh, that's our praise jar. I said, your praise jar? He says, yeah, what we do is in our life group, through the, through the month, we, take, we have a little pieces of paper that we set aside just wherever we are. And if we notice a praise, we, wrote, we write that down and stick it in the jar. And at the end of the month, we pull out all those praises to see and help us see how we've grown and look at what God's done in our life. I love that. I love to stop to think about, God, I want to grow to be more like you. I want to be like you who was here for your father to praise and bring glory to your father. I want to grow like that. What an awesome, simple, but powerful way to do that. R is for relationships. Thanks to the one, what blessings can you have for being in a life group? Well, relationships are formed and they are nourished. It says in verse 46 that they went house to house or met house to house. Did you know that the first church building can't be found before 350, the 4th century or so? If you were to go back and do archaeology and look for the first church where you could find it, it doesn't go back to, to the 1st century. The first church building, if you will, wasn't found until hundreds of years later. Why? Because the church met in homes. The church was in a house. I love the authenticity of archaeology. It just shows what the church was like and say, man, let's do life together. Study God's word. We need it to guide us. Let's be with others. We need them to support us. And we see that happening in relationships with the first church. You know, you're made in the image of God, which makes you relational. You're not excluded from that. And relationships can be formed and nourished by being in a life group. And you think about it, your relationships are formed mostly by those that you spend time with. It's just that simple. And I remember thinking in my first week, I went to those seven life groups. Do you know that by the time I rolled into that Sunday, and I saw those people that seen like, hey, Bill, and I was like, hey, I think I remember your name. And I said hello, and I remember interacting with them. Why was that better for me that second Sunday I was here? Because I had had the opportunity to have some relationships formed and they were nourished through that time when I spent with them. The same blessing can come to you. Oh, and the group is for others. Others are blessed because of you. Others can be blessed because of you. When it thanks to the one, that's a blessing that can be had from a life group. It says in verse 46 as well, it says that it speaks to them with gladness and sincerity of hearts. They were having fun. They were enjoying life. That's a natural byproduct, a natural blessing that flows out of the life of the church. It flows out of being in a life group. And while you can receive many blessings from being in a life group, the fact is 
you can be one who blesses others too. Let me, let me give you an example. That first week I was here and I mentioned that I went to those life groups. By the end of that week, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I, I've discovered something. And it's this. Uh, just to be transparent, when you come to a new church and you join a church staff and you are sensing God's calling on your life to serve here, this is where God wants you, you walk into it by faith, right? And as you do that, you look and go, well, I, I believe this is it. Do you know what that week did? Because of you and the life groups that I was in and visited, the others blessed me because it confirmed my, my calling and I was in the right place. I don't know if you know that or not, but you have blessed me and you blessed my wife to go, man, this is great to be here. You are the others that are being, you're blessing me, and I thank you for that. And I trust in the time I can continue to be a blessing back to you. The you in groups, thanks to the one and what blessings you can have from being a life group, is the you is unconditional acceptance of you. Unconditional acceptance of you. Verse 41 says, those who had received his word were baptized. Notice it doesn't say those that were popular received his word and were baptized. Those that had it all together were the ones that were accepted, received his word, and were baptized. Those that had all the money. Those that I wanted to be with because they're the influential people of how things are going to roll in Jerusalem. No, there's no condition set on this of who they're going to accept. God accepts everybody. If you're a sinner, you can be accepted into his kingdom. You can be accepted into a relationship with him by confessing your sins and asking forgiveness. See, God accepts you unconditionally. He demonstrated to us in his love for us through the cross. That's proof of his love that you're accepted unconditionally. Let me say something to you in case you didn't know this. None of you have it all together. You might have thought it was just the person sitting next to you. Yes, I knew this about you. Well, they could say the same thing about you. Nobody has it all together, folks. That's why it's called sanctification. We're being set apart to be more like Jesus. We want to be set apart. Sanctify them in the truth. For your word is truth, as John 7 tells us. Unconditional acceptance. It fosters that in the life group. The P, you might have guessed, is pray for one another. Pray for each other. That's a blessing when it's about the one you can have from being in a life group. It says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to prayer. You know, I think about it. I think a lot of times for us, we think, oh, I'm busy. They weren't. I want to submit to you, they had their own busyness world. They were having to do things themselves that you and I don't have to do. Granted, they didn't have texting and tweeting and all the stuff on the internet and posting their grandkids on Facebook. Okay, they didn't have that. I get that. But they were busy too. And I want to submit to you, they were too busy not to pray. And the same thing is for us. We can't ever be too busy that we can't stop and pray. We're too busy, so therefore we better stop and pray for God to help us and guide us through that. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it is effective. That word powerful is the Greek word didymus. It's where we get our word dynamite. That kind of power, and it's that kind of effectiveness. And life groups, 
I'll give you that opportunity to pray for each other. One of the blessings I love about life groups is that you get to pray for one in their hearing. Pray for one in their hearing. Oftentimes when we say, hey, I'll pray for you, we don't do it right there on the spot. You've had somebody say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. Take care. I'll, we'll be praying for you. In life groups, you get to have the opportunity to have someone pray for you in your hearing. You get to hear them mention your name to lift you up right there. You know, in my journey and seeking to follow Jesus, when I think about people I've asked in person to pray for them in their hearings, like, hey, can I pray for you? Of all the times I've ever asked that question, I've only had one person say no to me. It was some lady who was a Jehovah's Witness that had knocked at my door, and I said at the end, can I pray for you? She's like, no. <laughs> They're instructed not to let people like me pray for them because they might experience who God really is at that point. That's my theory. But anyway, that's it. And I want to submit to you that you will likely never encounter somebody when you ask them, can I pray for you? Oh, no, I don't need that or want that. Insist on it. Pray for them in their hearing. That's a part of the blessing that you can have from being in a life group. Well, thanks to the one, what blessings can you have from being in a life group? The last one is serve. You can serve each other. You can serve your church here at Grace Hills, and you can serve our community out there. In verse 45, it says, They were sharing them, that's their possessions, with all as anyone might have need. This was the norm. This wasn't the exception. That's not a verse that's like, well, the exception was in verse, no, this was the norm. This was their habit. This was the normal act of worship. In a life group, you are listened to, you are served, you are cared for, and others are listened to and served and cared for. You get to serve one another. You get to serve this church in a way of ministry, in a way of opportunity that's given to you. And then you have opportunities that are given to you to serve the community. Let me tell you of a couple that are coming up to serve the community that you can do together with your class that you join in maybe on a Sunday morning or a Sunday school class or a life group that you might be in. On October 8th, it is, uh, we have a free giveaway that Nancy Cedillo is leading up. This is an opportunity for you as a life group, as you as a class to come together and say, hey, let's gather our stuff. What are you bringing next week for that to drop off? so that others in the community can come in and receive from the church, from you, and be blessed by serving them. Great opportunity there. Another one's coming up is on October uh, 26th. We have our fall festival out in the parking lot here. I've only heard about this. I've not gotten to see it yet. Well, on the 26th of October this year, I'm going to see it. And that's a way that we're going to serve the community, the surrounding community that's right around us, uh, behind the wall here in the apartments, and wherever else that they come from. We want them to have that. So serving each other, Grace Hills Church, and our community. Because you see, when it's all about the one church, these are the blessings that you can have from being in a life group. That's why life groups are central to everything that we do here at Grace Hills Church. Uh, you might have noticed I had this box up here, this box of blessings. And you're wondering, maybe one of you is wondering, what is inside this box? What is underneath the wrapping paper of that 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper? Does anybody like to know? Would anybody like to know? Nobody's responding. Oh, okay, well, I was just going to put it down, and we just move on and wrap up. What's in here is something that I thought was very appropriate for us today, some candy. 
good and plenty. Good and plenty. Why do I have this here? Well, here's the final thought. It's this. Like good and plenty candy, thanks to the one, life groups are good. The blessings found in life groups are good, and they are plentiful. They are good, and they are plentiful. And the last week and this week, I'm just inviting you to open up the box. Let God dump into the blessings he wants you to have in your life group and discover how good and plentiful his blessings are that he wants you to have and to experience in life. The Lord says, see and taste that the Lord is good. Jesus said, I come to give you a life and to give it to you abundantly. And I want the abundant life. And Life Groups is a great place to find that in. I hope I'll see you in one. Would you pray with me? Father, I stop and I thank you for this day and I thank you for the privilege to communicate your truth. Lord, I thank you for the, the hope we have in you and the blessings that you provide us, Lord, that you tell us about that are available to us. And God, I pray as we go through this year as it comes along here and as we start another season of Life Groups, God, I pray that we would see you do a great work in our life groups, that, God, we would see your word Velcroed into us, that, God, we'd see others Velcroed into our lives, and that, God, we would see these blessings one by one as you see fit, because you're the source, Jesus. It's all about you. You're the one. Be glorified in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.